I've had a really great week. Has anyone had a good week? I've had a really good week this week. Um, I, I, last, last Saturday, we spoke about it last Sunday, actually, but last Saturday we had this amazing worship day uh, where we gathered in unity with some of our Catholic uh, friends, you know, Roman Catholics and Protestants together here standing in unity and praying and worshipping together. It was the most remarkable time last Saturday. Absolutely amazing. Uh, and, then, uh, and then actually on Friday this week, just a couple of days ago, I got, I got the amazing opportunity to meet uh, with 35 Swedish church planters uh, came here because they wanted to have a conversation with us about, uh, about what it looked like for a church to plant churches. You know, what are some of the things that we've learned? What are some of the things that we're wrestling with now? You know, we had an amazing conversation. It was so exciting uh, to be able to just chew over some of that stuff with these, with these 35 church planters who are going to be going out into Europe and planting churches. You know, what an amazing thing to be involved in. And then yesterday, uh, I, uh, I took a wedding here, um, which was amazing. Uh, Tavy, who I know many of you will know, who's been a part of, uh, of this congregation for a while, um, uh, she got married to Robert, and it was just amazing to be able to celebrate here. It's been a really, really great week, uh, and I've been really excited about speaking uh, today. But you know, if I'm honest, before this week, I've been finding it really, really hard. In fact, I've had a good week this week, but this has come on the back of actually what's been a couple of really hard, hard months. It's been really tough. In fact, I've been really tired. We've been dealing with some really tough stuff personally and as a church together. We've been dealing with death. We've been dealing with the uncertainty of change. We've been dealing with stuff that was unexpected. And I'm tired. I've been really tired. And some of you will know about 10 days ago, uh, my little girl, I've got a little girl who's five years old, Adelaide, she had a really massive operation at Great Ormond Street, which has kind of been hanging over our heads for about nine months. We knew we were going to have to have it. Uh, and we suddenly had it and, and we were heading to the hospital. And, and to be honest, we've been really anxious about this one. You know, we've been tired and we've been anxious. And, uh, and I think I, I've noticed it in myself, you know, over the last few weeks that I've just kind of, you, you know, when you go through a time like this and you see it in your own body language, you know, I've just kind of been a little bit like this. You know, my eyes have just been a bit down. And, um, and I was thinking about it and I think, actually, do you know, you know the thing that, that, that brings our eyes down? It, it's fear and fatigue, isn't it? Fear and fatigue. And there's so much around us that causes us to be fearful and, and anxious and it pulls our eyes down. About 10 days ago, I, I, in my readings that I was doing in a, one morning and, and I was praying, God brought me to Psalm 71. And, and I just want to start with this uh, today because I felt like my eyes were down uh, and I'd lost some of my, some of my confidence really. And, and I just turned to this simple verse in this psalm which has just been bubbling around in my head for the last week. And it's been lifting my eyes because the psalmist says, for you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. And I've just found this verse so encouraging as I've kind of mulled on it and and just taken it around with me. And it's helped me to lift my eyes up. Uh, Because, you know, when I see Jesus, when I'm reminded of Jesus... When I look at him, I'm confident. I am. My eyes are up. My body language is different. He is my hope. He is in charge. He is mighty to save. 
And you know, as I've been thinking about my message today and thinking about what it is that God wants to say to us as we kind of step forward further into this autumn term uh, and kind of journey through this season together, uh, my mind keeps going back uh, a couple of years actually. And for those of you that have been here a little while, you might remember in in the autumn of 2016, God gave us a really uh, clear word, um, a, a single word, which was bold. God was calling us to be bold to be bold. And, and, and as I've thought about that and reflected on that uh, recently, I've thought, actually, do you know what? I don't think this changed. You know, I believe that what God is saying to us now in 2018 is that we need to be bolder. We need to be bolder. God is calling us to be bolder, bolder in our convictions, bolder uh, in our love, bolder in the way that we outwork the vision that God has given us to make disciples, to transform our communities and to plant churches. God is calling us to be a bold church. He's calling us to lift up our eyes because it's when we see Jesus that we can be bold. And so uh, today and next week, I just want to unpack for us, if, if I can, just a little bit of a bolder vision of who Jesus is. I think I've, this is what Jesus wants to challenge us with. You know, can we expand our vision of who he is? And so over the next couple of weeks, if it's okay with you, we're going uh, to go a little bit apocalyptic. Is that Okay. Yeah, we're going big and bold. And, uh, and, and don't get too scared, you know, uh, I've had this conversation a couple of times today, you know, when, when you think about apocalyptic, we just now we just think about the kind of end times, we think about demons and kind of crazy mad stuff happening. And, and actually, but actually when you look biblically, uh, the word apocalypse is, is actually uh, just means to, to uncover. It means to uncover. It's the root of our word revelation. Uh, you know, when John writes his revelation, he says, I had an apocalypse. You know, we're going to look at some of these heavenly pictures of who Jesus is. Uh, in, uh, as, as Jesus in Scripture just removes the veil and uncovers something of the epic nature of who our God is. And so we're going to look today uh, to the book of Daniel, uh, and then next week we're going to be in Revelation. And I want to challenge you to think big and to think bold, and to allow your eyes to be lifted up. So why don't you uh, jump into Daniel chapter 7. You can get your phones out, or you can use the church Bibles. Daniel's about kind of halfway through. It's in the Old Testament. Uh, And while you're finding it, let me just give you a quick bit of uh, context. We love context when we read Scripture, don't we? Uh, Daniel Daniel was a young Hebrew. He was a young Hebrew uh, at the time that Jerusalem was besieged by Nebuchadnezzar. Great name. You may have heard of him before. Nebuchadnezzar, he was the king of Babylon. Uh, And this all took place in about 589 BC. So we're talking kind of 2,600 years ago, kind of two and a half thousand years ago. uh, uh, The king of Babylon rose up and Babylon came and swept through uh, the nations of that region and, and basically crushed Israel. And they besieged Jerusalem. Israel was basically destroyed and its treasure and its people were plundered. Uh, And in fact, the best boys were taken away to serve in Nebuchadnezzar's palace. And, And so here we find Daniel effectively being trafficked into a strange foreign city. 
and forced and enslaved to serve a strange and foreign king. Uh, you know, if there was ever a moment to be fearful or fatigued, you know, this was it. But what we discover when we read through the story of Daniel is that, is that Daniel and, and some of his friends, well, they were, they were different. There was something different about Daniel and his friends. In fact, uh, they stood firm in the city of Babylon and, and they were remarkably successful. In fact, they were, they were the leaders in their, in their field. They were great servants, uh, not just to Nebuchadnezzar, but to many kings. We know that they served at least four kings in the time that they were in Babylon. But, you know, at the same time, they, they remained faithful to their God. Daniel was uncompromisingly bold in his faithfulness. And and in chapters 1 to 6 in Daniel, we basically read the narrative of of some of the stories and some of the interactions that happened uh, between Daniel and his friends as they were in uh, Babylon. And you'll you'll know many of the stories, I'm sure. We hear stories about crazy dreams and gold statues and fiery furnaces that people were thrown into, but, but they weren't burnt. Jesus saved them. And of course, we read the famous story of Daniel being thrown into a den of lions. Uh, But God closed the lions' mouths and Daniel was saved. You know, all of these challenges that we read about were really challenges for Daniel and his friends to, to conform to the way of the city. To conform in order to succeed in the city. To to lose confidence in their God and to have confidence in the city. And this was Daniel in his workplace. And I guess this is a challenge for all of us as we think about our workplaces and think about our city and how do we interact today with our city. You know, how are we challenged to compromise ourselves in order to succeed in our city? But you know, what's really uh, important is that we see in Daniel uh, that with every challenge, he just seemed to grow bolder. Uh, And then in chapters 7 to 12, uh, which we're just going to begin to pick on today, uh, we see uh, just a little insight uh, about some of the ways that God revealed himself to Daniel. And we see a whole series of dreams and visions uh, that Daniel was given while he was in uh, Babylon. Uh, And these are important to us, okay, because... You need to understand that what we see changes us. What we see changes us. And Daniel saw something that changed everything. So why don't you read with me? We're going to go from uh, verse 1, chapter 7, and then I'll jump around uh, a little bit. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. And he wrote down the substance of his dream. And the next eight verses are just mad, okay? Absolutely crazy, okay? It kind of starts with wind and waves and a kind of chaotic picture and then loads of beasts emerge and we're talking about lions with wings and bears that are eating people's flesh and leopards with four heads and uh, weird beasts with horns, okay? It's completely mad, but it's soaked in meaning and we're going to come back uh, to that in a, in a little bit. But basically we have this chaotic 
picture of the world uh, that Daniel was living in. And then in verse 9, Daniel says this. He says, as I looked, verse 9, thrones were set in place and the ancient of days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow and the hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was coming out from before him and thousands upon thousands attended him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated. The books were opened. And then in verse 13 he goes on. In my vision, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. And there he was given authority and glory and sovereign power. And all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed I want you to pray with me quickly Heavenly Father we thank you that you are a God who speaks Jesus we thank you that you speak to us today through dreams and through visions uh, Lord we thank you that you speak to us today through your word and Lord as we spend a few moments uh, Looking at you tonight, Jesus, we pray that you would expand our vision of who you are for your glory. Amen. Amen. Have you, have you ever had one of those moments where you see something that changes everything? Uh, let me give you a couple of examples, okay? I'll give you a couple of examples. Because for me, uh, the year 2000 was a big year, okay? Uh, first, it was, um, was kind of early in the summer of uh, 2000 uh, when, I, when I looked across uh, a room and, um, and there she was. She was 18. She was wearing a, a black leather pencil skirt and her uh, waist-long hair was tied back into a ponytail. We happened to be in, in Time and Envy, which is one of Romford's finest establishments. Um, it was there that I saw Charlotte. And everything changed. Everything changed. In fact, later that year, we got engaged. Uh, and, and I could tell you uh, all day about the ways in which my life, my whole world was transformed because of what I saw that day. But that's not the only thing I saw in, in the year 2000. Uh, because about a month or so uh, later, uh, I looked across a, a different room. And there, dressed in a, uh, a kind of a translucent green and white, um, was what would soon become my first ever MacBook. <laughs> you know, I saw this thing and suddenly my world was transformed. I was different. The way I thought was different. You know, I was so, all my mates were still over here, chained to their desks, surrounded in like beige towers, running Windows 97 or something. Uh, but my world was different. 
You know, the way I worked, the way I thought, my whole worldview had changed. And you know what? 17 years later, I'm still impacted by what I saw. You know, I saw something in the year 2000 that changed everything. Now, I'm still married today as well. You know, and I'll I'll let you decide which one's the most uh, influential in my life. Um, But you you know what? Sometimes we see something that changes everything. And I believe that this is what happened to Daniel. You know, why was Daniel so bold? Well, Daniel saw something that changed everything. Daniel saw God. He saw a vision of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and this, this is epic. You know, this here is one of those seminal moments in, in Scripture where God kind of steps up and says, this is me. This is who I am. You know, it's an amazing bit of scripture. And actually, we know that it was one of Jesus' favorite bit of scripture. Yeah, he quotes it. And in fact, it's a piece of scripture that echoes throughout the New Testament. Yeah, all the way through into Revelation, as we're going to see next week. Yeah, and what does Daniel see here? Well, he sees two things. He sees Jesus as sovereign. And he sees Jesus as savior. You know, Jesus alone is sovereign. Jesus alone is in charge. But Jesus alone is our hope. Jesus alone is the one who saves. So just going to quickly look at those two things tonight. You know, the vision starts here uh, back at the start of the chapter, as I said, with these kind of churning seas and winds. And and actually in Scripture we know this is synonymous with basically chaos. You know, the waters represented chaos. And out of this chaos we read about four beasts that emerge. And as I said, they're completely mad. And we read about a winged lion and a flesh-eating bear and a flying leopard and four heads and horned beasts and all sorts of mad stuff. But as Daniel explains later and then as scholars... uh, kind of unpack and point to, we kind of think that actually what God was revealing to Daniel here was actually kingdoms of the world that would rise up and devour one another. Uh, and scholars point to Babylon and then to the Medes and the Persian Empire, to the Macedonians, uh, and finally to Rome, to the might of the Roman Empire. You know, one kingdom coming and replacing the next you know, crushing the one uh, before us, a vision of a chaotic struggle for power and dominance and consumption. You know, and of course, it's a dynamic. It's something that Daniel would have been really familiar with in, in the courts of Babylon. You know, as kings rose up and replaced kings and the advisors surrounding him would have been vying for position and for power within the king's court. You know, this is the way of the city You know, one boss replacing the next boss and then people vying for position within their organisation. You know, of course, this is what we see in our city, isn't it, today? We see it all over our media. We see it in our politics all the time. We see it in our companies and our organisations, this kind of dog-eat-dog world, a world of winners and losers as we vie for position and and for promotion and each one of us kind of wanting to act as judge and jury over the other. You know, we we want to achieve, we want to succeed, 
I, I, I don't know about you, <laughs> you know, I wonder if, if sometimes we, maybe we feel a little bit uh, like the bear in this passage uh, when we interact with our city. I'm going to quickly read this to you, verse 5. In verse 5, uh, Daniel says, he says, There before me was a second beast which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. Uh, it was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. You know, it's terrifying. What a terrifying image. I wonder if some of us sometimes catch ourselves feeling a little bit like that. You know, as we engage with our city and this desire to succeed, you know, regardless of who and what gets consumed along the way. You know, these are the challenges of our city. You know, these are the things that genuinely leave us feeling fearful and fatigued. You know, but Daniel surveys the chaos and he sees something in the midst of it, something that changes everything. His eyes are lifted up and he says in verse 9, As I looked, thrones were set in place and the Ancient of Days took his seat. You know, in the midst of the chaos, Daniel sees God take his seat. In the midst of the chaos, Daniel finally sees who is in charge. And it's interesting, the scene is, is that of a courtroom, isn't it? You know, verse 10, it says, the court was seated, the books were opened. You know, and God, the Ancient of Days, comes and sits down as judge, enthroned, sovereign, you know, the one who is in charge. Daniel saw something that changed everything. And in fact, it's interesting uh, because Daniel's name actually means God is my judge. That's what Daniel means. Uh, and that's what we see play out in Daniel's life here. Uh, you know, we, we see it play out in his boldness. You know, he's not afraid of the chaos. He's not afraid of the grasping for power and the vying for position in the rise and the fall of kings. You know, he wasn't going to be rocked by threats or, or by flattery. He wasn't going to be shaken by people around him judging him because he knew that God alone was his judge. God alone was in charge. Regardless of the chaos that he might have seen around him, he knew the truth that God was sovereign. You know, and I just wonder what difference it would make to our lives if we really knew that God was sovereign. How would we live differently if we, gen if we really knew that regardless of, of the chaos that we see around us sometimes, that God was in charge. That God is sovereign, enthroned, ruler and judge over all. You know, I find that really challenging. You know, if I really believed that, would my life look different? You know, I pray that God reveals that to me in greater and greater measure. You know, that when I'm feeling fearful and fatigued, that, that my eyes might keep being lifted up to recognise in the midst of the chaos the God who is always in charge. 
But you know, it's not only that. You know, it doesn't finish there. You know, I mean, that, that's epic enough, really, isn't it? But the amazing bit is what comes next. You know, I love this bit, you know, because Daniel sees more. And in verse 13, uh, he says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. You know, here we see this incredible messianic figure. You know, Daniel was here as a Hebrew, and they were in exile. You know, the nation had been smashed to pieces, and they were in a foreign land. You know, but God raised up prophets to encourage the people. And they prophesied about this coming Messiah, this coming rescuer, someone that would come and would rebuild the nation of Israel, that would rebuild Jerusalem, someone that would come and save A God who would rescue his people. This is what they were expecting. And here Daniel sees this this figure, this Messiah coming on the clouds. This saviour, this rescuer, this deliverer. And here in his vision, uh, this figure, this son of man approaches the judge, the ancient of days. and, And he's given all sovereign power. And all the people worship him and his dominion we are told will last forever his kingdom will never be destroyed and and who is this son of man well it's Jesus it's Jesus you know we know this because because hundreds of years later there's another courtroom scene you know this time on earth Uh, as Jesus is hauled uh, before the Sanhedrin, kind of the Jewish council of the time, and and he's kind of taken into this courtroom. You can read uh, the story uh, in Mark chapter 14, where the high priest says to Jesus, he says, are you the Christ? You know, basically, are you the Messiah? And Jesus says to him, I am. And then he goes on to say, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. You know, everyone in the Sanhedrin, everyone in that courtroom would have known this passage of Scripture. They would have been familiar with Daniel's vision, this incredible picture. And here Jesus is saying, it's me. I am the Messiah. I am the rescuer, the one who has come to save and deliver. It is me. And then, of course, shortly after this, Jesus is dragged off and crucified, killed here on earth, put to death as a common criminal. And this is the real secret of what Daniel saw there in his vision. He saw God who was sovereign, but it didn't finish there. This is not just a God who sits at a distance. You know, the God who is enthroned somewhere over there. Uh, but we see the God who, who, who gave everything to come to earth as a man and to live a perfect, sinless life and who was prepared to go to the cross, to die in order to pay the price all of our selfishness, to pay the price for every wrong thing that ever has been and ever will be done. God came to earth. The judge stepped down to become the rescuer. And this is what Daniel saw. And it changed 
everything. And of course we know that Jesus, three days later, rose from that death that he was given here on earth. His dominion is everlasting. His kingdom will never end. And he's here tonight. He's here with us now. He's moving amongst us by the power of his Holy Spirit. He wants us to see him and to know him, to experience him. He wants to reveal himself to us in greater and greater measure. He wants us to see him. Because what we see changes us. What we see enables us to be bold. You are my hope, sovereign Lord. My confidence since my youth. This is what the psalmist said and it echoes down to today. Each one of us can know hope in Jesus. Because he and he alone is sovereign. And he is our Rescuer. You know, my challenge uh, for you today is this. What do you see? What do you see? You know, because I believe that God is is giving us an amazing vision here to make disciples, to transform communities to plant churches. You know, that, that hasn't changed. You know, that's what we're doing and it's what we're going to continue doing. But you know, we're only going to do it and we're only going to be able to step forward boldly if we see Jesus. The vision is always Jesus. So what do you see? You know, my prayer is that Jesus would, would unveil something fresh for you tonight that he would expand your vision of who he is, that he would enable you through that to be bolder. Bolder in the way that you speak about him. Bolder in the choices that you make as you interact with this city. And I just invite you just to ask Jesus to expand your vision of who he is. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come now. That you would speak to us. Reveal yourself to us. Jesus, we thank you that you are a God who, uh, who wants to be seen. Who wants to be known. Jesus, we want to see you. Jesus, would you lift the lid tonight?